for our sermon this morning. We want to continue on something that we started on in our New Year's Day message, our New Year's Day sermonette, you might call it. It's in the area of guidance. We talked about Scripture and starting with Scripture, and that's kind of our our guardrails of how we conduct ourselves. It's the general principles by which we walk within. But, you know, as we begin this new year, uh, some people do New Year's resolutions or their determination for the coming year, but it reminds us on things as far as guidance. And as I mentioned earlier in the service, I saw Facebook and somebody was talking about doing what they feel. You know, we do a lot based on feelings today, but we really want to recognize that the Bible is God's Word and is, provides us those guardrails of how we should live our life. Sometimes the Bible is direct in telling us that there's some things that we should do and some things that we should not do, and then other times it's broad and there's some principles. You might really look hard to determine whether you should wear a blue shirt or a red shirt or if your glasses should be brown or black. But those are decisions that we make in life too, right? But somewhere between the grand decisions on who I should marry and what I should wear that day, what color I should wear, there's direction that God has for us. Now, you could look in scriptures and there's some principles and some guidance. There's some things that are inappropriate to wear. I don't care what the color is. But then there are other decisions like, should I buy this car or not? Or should I buy a car? Should I work here? Should I work there? Should I live here? Should I live there? Should I marry this person or that person or be dating or not dating? Or all kinds of decisions that we have to make. And how do we go through those things? And so for the next few Sundays, and we'll kind of pull up what we did at the beginning of the year there, we'll pull forward and say, how do we determine God's guidance? What is it that God's trying to tell us? So sometimes in the Bible we'll have stories where it's direct guidance. You'll say, Noah, go Abraham. Or you might have little Samuel as he's there, and he goes to Eli, I believe it was Eli there, and says, he hears a voice. How do we determine those things? So we'll cover those things over the next few messages, but today we're going to start with an initial piece of understanding that we can focus on. Where do we start? We, we started about God's Word, but, you know, in between those boundaries, how do we know what those next pieces are? And there's a passage of scripture that you've heard me preach from before, if you've listened very long or been very much around, and you probably can, you might, some of you might have heard the the message in some ways before, but it's in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And now Romans, if you're familiar, you may not be familiar with scripture, uh, it is a letter from Paul to the Romans, the church in Rome, and in it he um, 
talks about various items and various things and gets in some theology. But as we get into Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we talk about something that's very fundamental. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies <clears throat> a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some translations might say reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So it starts out, let's just break that passage down a little bit, and then we will do some application and, and, and expound on a little bit. This passage has a lot of depth to it. We could go a lot of directions, but <clears throat> I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, set apart. You know, when we become Christians, we are set apart. We are set apart as Christians, but that's what we might call, in a theological standpoint, an initial sanctification. But it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, it would seem then, this is something that he's speaking to the Christians, that we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And we could go a little farther on some of that and and other times we have, but we want to continue here. And it says, and, and I was like, is that and actually there? Is it tying verses one and two together? And, and the word in the Greek is kai, K-A-I, and it does use, it does exist. And, combining these two together, and, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I looked up the word behind renewing, and it, it also gives the connotation of renovation. Renovation, making something new. You maybe you've heard the, the concept of the our house, our heart house, where we surrender our heart to God, and then God comes in and does a renovation. He tears some walls in and puts some things out. We're talking about that kind of renovation, that renewing of your mind. That you may prove. Prove that that word there. Prove is kind of like a test and test and approve. It's a being able to discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Good, acceptable, perfect will of God. I I remember that if I'm trying to memorize the scripture, it's good. G, acceptable. A, P, perfect. Gap. 
There should be a gap between us and the world. And he talks here about the renewing of our mind. How we think, how we approach. Now think in contrast, if you have read Romans before, and you think about the first chapter of Romans, and he says, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind, doing those things that are unseemly. Their thinking is off. Versus having your mind renewed, renovated by God, because we presented our bodies, we presented ourselves to God, like someone that's uh, bought a house that they're going to flip. But they've got to do a remodeling, a renovation, a renewing of the mind. Of the mind. And if we think about the mind, we think about, we said, the reprobate mind. We've talked about needing a renewing of the mind. And we think about further, we can think about in other parts of scriptures, it talks about, but you have the mind of Christ. Maybe you're familiar with the term having a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. You look at the world from the perspective of scripture. And so part of this understanding What God's will is, is on how we approach things and how we think. But if you want to, what does it say there? That you may be, that you may prove. Behind that word prove is that test and, test and prove that, uh, that uh, acknowledgement, discern, understand what God's will is. If you want to be able to have that ability to discern that good and acceptable, perfect will of God, you need to, what, have your mind renewed. You need to, what, not be conformed to the world. You need to, what, have surrendered in order for that to take place. That good, acceptable, perfect will of God. If you want to know what God wants you to do, you need to maybe be thinking a little bit different. You need God to help you to renew your mind and your approach to things Remember, first we talked about it's founded by Scripture, but it's even how you look at things. And one of the first things you need to do is surrender to God. You know, if you're on a, can you imagine, now some of you probably have been on a band, or you've been in, I'm going to try to hit at least one thing you've been on. Maybe it's in a choir at school, even if it was in elementary uh, in some kind of band, possibly. Maybe you've been on a football team or a basketball team or, or something of, of that kind of working together. Or maybe you've been in the workplace. Can you imagine going into a situation and you've joined into the, the, uh, the choir or the band and they're doing a piece of music and they get ready to perform it and you're like, I don't want to play that one. I think I'll play this one over here. And so the conductor gets up there to play the mu- to, to direct, and you're playing a completely different piece of music. Well, clearly that's not going to work together. Because you've determined, I'm going to play my sheet of music. And it's going to clash, you might not even be on the same key. You might not even be in a tune. Or the football team where everybody says, okay, we're going to run right. And you're like, I'm not going to run right, I'm running left. Or in the workplace, you're supposed to put this part in and 
you're like, I'm taking my break. You're not on the same page. You haven't said, hey, I'm, I'm part of this. I, I want to do with the, the group. I want to do what the boss is telling me. I'm, I'm saying, okay, my understanding is you're the boss. I need to do what you tell me or I can hit the road. Okay. So the other part of getting guidance from God is wanting guidance from God. I want to know what God wants me to do. And so I'm seeking what God wants me to do. And that's part of that surrender. Because if you're not sure you want to do it, you're not going to really listen clearly. You're going to be listening for the parts that you want to hear, not the parts that you don't want to hear. You're not going to be focused on the right things. You're going to be distracted. Distracted. Because you made multiple things for your input. You've decided, I'm not presenting my body to God. I'm not wanting God to change my mind. I'm kind of, you know, I want to take my direction from multiple things. Imagine walking in a room. Now, I have trouble, and my family would understand this, what I'm saying. But if I go into a room, and the TV's on, and a radio's on, and there's a conversation going on, and there's some music going on in the background, my, my head about explodes because I can't figure out what I'm listening to. I'm hearing all of them. And if I'm trying to watch a TV show and I'm looking there and it's like I can also hear the conversation, I can, it drives me crazy. Can you imagine you're going into and you're trying to make a decision in life? Maybe you've done this. And everybody's telling you what you ought to do. Everybody's telling you what you have to do, and, and none of them are on the same page. Before I got married, I remember, the late, I remember that I was working at a place where I was working, and a lady worked there, and I think she wasn't very old. But she was only already on her third or fourth marriage, and I was thinking about, I was about to get married, and she was going to give me marriage advice because of all of the experiences she had. And then on the other side, you have somebody that's been married maybe 50 years, and they're going to give you marriage advice. Which one do you think you probably should listen to? But everybody wants to tell you everybody's got an opinion, and now we go to social media, and if you put something out there, it's little sound bites, little snippets of words, and you get these paragraphs and different opinions and back and forth, and it was like, we're trying to please, we're trying to figure out, well, I, I want people to think that I'm doing a good job, and I want them to think I'm doing a good job, and I want to do a good job, and, and what did God want me to do? Yeah, but then it's, it gets very confusing. So we have to kind of determine what is going to be my source of direction. What is, where, where, where is my focus? Who, who is my primary source? And if you can get it between you and God, you still have you and God. What you want to do versus what you think God wants you to do. You know, it's kind of hard to clearly hear what God wants to tell you when you're only listening for what you want to hear. If you've ever been around children and you try, you're raising the children, they'll, they'll listen. They have sel- what's that term? Selective hearing. You told them, but 
They don't remember that part. You told them, but, oops. Or you'll say something, though, they'll pretend that they didn't hear you. So they don't think they're accountable for it. And so they sneak out the door, the door's shut, or they'll go, na 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 Uh, sometimes I think we go, no, 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 because we don't want to hear what God's telling us because we know you ever grown up and you didn't want to ask your parents something because you knew what the answer was. Or maybe you had the situation, you knew which parent to ask because you know which one's going to say what, what thing. And so if you said, ask the wrong one, you might not get the answer you want. Of course, you might also have lived in a household that your parents had figured that out and you get in a lot of trouble for doing an end around and asking the one parent to try to circumvent the other one, trying to divide, they're trying to divide you up. So sometimes we don't hear or listen because we don't really want to hear what he has to say. Because we know what it is. We know he's going to tell us. I've wandered into people and I, and, and, uh, over the years and somebody will say, yeah, I'm really praying about that. I'm just not getting clarity on the... And you're thinking, they tell you what's going on and like, it says, well, and I've got this situation and that situation, but, you know, I really want to be sure that that's what God wants me to do. And uh, they start laying out all the, all the things that God has placed in line for, for them. And you're thinking, are you sure you don't know what God wants you to do? I think you probably know what God wants you to do. But you're trying to find a reason not to do it. You're not really in that place of, maybe you're not in that place of surrender. And then we worry about what's, what's going to happen if I do this and what's going to happen if I do that. And that's very easy to do. But, you know, if we're trusting in God for the direction, then we have to trust Him for the results. And that makes us less accountable. If all we did was follow God, we're only accountable for discerning His will and then following through with it. And then He's accountable for the results. We were just obedient. It can make life easier and less stressful. But how do we discern God's will? And so what we want you to think about is, based on this scripture, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know what God's will is? You need to start with God and say, okay, God, here I am. You know all my bad habits. You know my thinking process and, and how I approach things. I'm just going to turn myself all the way over to you. And I need you to help even the way I think and how I approach things. And I'm surrendering to you for the outcomes. I'm going to have to trust you with those. But here I am. I'm enlisting. 
I want to do what you tell me to do. I just need to know what it is. I just need to know what it is. And so that's our first place. We walk in a place of surrender to God and we allow Him to help us think. And, and, and just like a coach coaches a ball player on the fundamentals, whether it's on how to swing a bat at a ball, or maybe it's teaching someone in music the scales, or if they're playing a trumpet or an instrument, it might be the fingering or the slide positions on what the notes are. You start with the basic fundamentals. And so God might start all the way back to the fundamentals, and he might run you through different exercises. You know how you have to practice your scales, or you have to practice your singing, or you have to practice your throwing, or your hitting, or your running. He's going to take us through some practice things, and he might say, okay, I want you to do this. And you're like, I don't know why that's such a big deal. But he's made, when he makes you faithful, he talks about faithful over a small thing, few things, and make you faithful over greater things. So he, he runs us through some practice things. Maybe they're less consequential. But then we learn from those things, and then he has us do some greater things and some bigger decisions and bigger decisions, but we begin with those. Now, interesting enough, young in, young, when we're young in life, they're some of our biggest decisions. You know, who we're going to marry, if we're going to marry. We think about careers. We think about things. And those all happen early in life sometimes. And they're big decisions, and we haven't had all our practicing done. But I think about, if I think about marriage and, and things, this is this example, because often, you know, we see Scripture where it's a marital relationship, Christ coming for his bride as examples for us. But can you imagine a husband and wife, and maybe some of you this is closer to reality to you, but if we have two people that are sold out to God, and they're both following God with everything they have, it's going to make the marriage a lot easier. But if you have two Christians, they've asked Jesus into their heart, but they really haven't surrendered to God, there's still going to be this you're still going to have some of that in a marriage, but it's going to make it a little bit more harder. And naturally, it says, do not be unequally yoked with the unbelievers. It basically is when you're getting married and you're making choice on who to marry, you need to choose someone that's spiritually headed together with you towards God, that they strengthen your walk with God, and you strengthen theirs. Now, once you're married and people become Christians after they're married, things are a little bit different, and that's a different discussion. But those kinds of decisions and discussions, that's just that example of being on the same path. But just like being on a different path in life, going different directions, if you're at work and nobody listens to the boss and everybody does their own things, the same as in a church, if we're all focused on God, we'll work things out together. But it all starts with we as an individual being in a place of surrender to God, 
to the point where like, okay, God, you need to help the way I think, the way I approach things, the way I look at people, the way I make my decisions. Help me to understand your word. So I understand this guardrail. So I understand I need to do this and I not need, don't need to do this. And those principles of scriptures that guide us, how do I interpret those? How do I apply it? It starts with being in a place where we want to hear from God. And so we're listening for God versus all those other distractions. It's like the classic thing, the husband's sitting down at breakfast and he's reading this paper and the wife's saying things to him and his response is, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And she says something and he's not paying any attention. He heard, but he didn't hear. Scripture talks about him that has ears to hear, let him hear. He heard, but he didn't hear. He wasn't paying attention. So we need to be in a place where like, okay, God, I am leaning forward towards my relationship with you, and I want to listen, I want to hear. It's basically what it's saying here. I'm putting myself to the side. I'm surrendering myself to you. I want you to come in and help me on how I think and how I approach things so that I might make the right decisions on the fly. That it's ingrained in how I think and how I approach things. Coaches on football teams and stuff have to get them in the mindset of that they have the capability of winning and and how they approach and how you work together. God wants to do that in our Christian walk, in our relationship with others, our relationship with them, So it just becomes, we take on the mind of Christ and how we think and how we approach things. But a part starts with surrender. It starts with wanting to hear what he has for us. Wanting to hear his direction and get rid of the distraction. And the real distraction might be ourselves. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you want to be involved in my life. Just as we have come through this Christmas season to commemorate when you came to earth, God with us, you want to be part of our life. You're not just, as some might believe, with some way out there that you spun into motion and now you're watching. You want to be part of what's going on. You want us to seek your direction. You want us to be obedient to you. And I pray that you would help us this day to be in a place of surrender to say, here God, here am I. I think weird about things. I know my thinking's off. I know my focus is not always on you. Help me as I give myself to you. I'm allowing you. I'm like, here's the deed to my house. Come in and do a renovation. Come in and do a cleanup. Help me to think right. Help me not to be conformed to this world. May my mind be changed so that I might have a biblical worldview. That I might look at things and how I think. That I might take on the mind of Christ. Help me in that area. Help us as we make decisions and things to seek your face, your will, and your guidance. May we know your word so that it might give us those principles and those approaches and things as you teach us. May we learn the lessons of how to walk forward and become 
more mature in our decisions. Help us in this message series as we teach those next things so that we might be able to discern and recognize. Scripture tells us that you say, my sheep know my voice and come at my call. May we know your voice and may we be obedient to the call. Guide and direct us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.